Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Marriage is about becoming one. The question is, which one? This is a question that Tasha and I have been answering for 30 years. Tony, Becky, are you all still answering this question or have you already answered it? Oh, you've perfected it. All right. Call Tony. Call Becky. Amen. Marriage is a beautiful thing, but it is also a challenging mess because you have two individuals that desperately want to love each other, and sometimes we just don't know how. And sometimes we try and we try and we try and we try and we think it's our fault, we think it's their fault, we think it's our fault, we think it's their fault, we give up, we try again, and over and over and over and over again. I said to you last week, in 30 years of marriage, Tasha and I have only had two arguments. The first one lasted 14 years, and the second one has lasted about 16 years, right? And every one of us in relationship will have moments when we want to give up, give in, give out. But if you don't give in, if you don't give out, if you don't give up, if you keep showing up, God will show out in your marriage. Amen? And so we're going to talk today about how do we keep choosing us? And this clip that you saw was taken from the movie uh, Family Man, one of my favorite movies. I watched this movie quite a bit. And if you've never seen it, I encourage you to take a look at it. He has two paths that he can go down. He chooses, you saw, for him to go down the one where he leaves her and his life goes a different direction. And then in the movie, he wakes up back in the life he was intended to have. Beautiful. And we'll watch a clip at the end to show the concluding thoughts of this experience. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, your internet device. There is a uh, healthy uh, group of people online here this morning, and we are uh, so glad. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Aaron. Successful surgery on Friday. Amen. I want to give a shout out to Ma and Pa Johnston, you know, Gary and Virginia, uh, they're in a tough, uh, going through something tough this week, and so we want you to know that we're thinking of you. And I also want to give a shout out to Life Network and just say how much I love this organization and how much I love Rich Bennett, even if he is a Kansas Jayhawk fan. I love Rich uh, and think the world of him. He is a dear friend of Vanguard, dear friend of mine. And I want to encourage you to uh, continue to keep in mind that God is using us in the community with other organizations. And 
Each one of us have opportunity to connect and to serve and to build into the lives of other individuals as we are given opportunity. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul's going to talk to us today about this analogy of relationship. And I'm sorry, I forgot. I want to invite you to share the service this morning, to be a virtual evangelist, to invite others to join you. Yes, Danae, I see, woohoo, Jayhawks, rock chalk Jayhawks. Good morning to you as well, uh, Herndon family. Look at verse 21. And further, you will submit. Huh. You will submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. So how do we keep choosing each other? Number one, you respect each other for Christ's sake. Why are we to submit to one another in our marriages? Because, you ready? Every time you submit to your spouse, you are showing respect to Jesus. Huh. So the converse of that is true. Every time that you and I in our marriages don't show an attitude of submission to our spouses, and I know, I know what's going on in your head right now. Well, they don't deserve it. We'll get there, okay? Trust me, before it's all over, everybody's going to be mad, all right? I won't leave anybody out, I promise. I promise. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants you to think that your spouse is your enemy. And if he can convince you of that, he then has the best chance of destroying your marriage. Your willingness to show an attitude of submission to your spouse is not because they're so amazing. It's because you understand that God gave you this person so that you could demonstrate in a very real, daily, tangible way how much you love Jesus. Huh. And every time you show an attitude of submission to your spouse, you are saying to Jesus, I love you. And every time you choose to take a different approach, you're saying to Jesus, I don't love you. You go, wow. So here's what we need to understand. God wants all of us to approach relationship with an attitude of submission. Now, this doesn't address the authority structure. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get to that. But I want you to understand that a good portion of your problems in life, and especially in your marriage, will be resolved if you check your attitude. Amen? amen. Come on, amen? amen? When your attitude begins to, pardon my frankness, suck towards your spouse... I can assure you, your marriage does not go to a better place. It goes to a worse place. And sometimes, and this is what Paul is doing, is he's given us a gut check in verse 21. We have to check our attitudes. It is so very important. Mutual submission 
is an attitude of selflessness. And sometimes in our marriages, we'll say things like this. I've been selfless enough. It's not my turn. And that doesn't go well either. And we try all of these different approaches, and quite frankly, none of them are sufficient. Now, here we go. Look at verse 22. You wives, you ready? You got to be a brave man to go into this verse. Will submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. So, how do we keep choosing one another in marriage? Verse uh, number two wives, submit to your husbands. Now, you don't have to respond because this is too personal of a question, but doesn't that grate on you, ladies? I mean, come on. I mean, it's like, it feels like a thumb, right? Now, here's what this verse doesn't mean, men. It doesn't mean taunt your wife into submission. It doesn't mean force her into submission. And here's the most controversial one. It doesn't mean train her to be submissive. No? He's not talking to the husbands in verse 22. Do you understand this? There are no instructions in verse 22 for the husband. Every one of us have to take ownership of what God is asking us to do in our marriages. So submission is an act of the will. It is an act of the will, and it is voluntary, and it is a gift that's born out of trust. Now, depending on how well your marriage is going, submission may be easier in certain seasons than at other times, but let's look at this definition that you see in your program here. Submission in the marriage is a voluntary yielding in love to the object or person's Deserving respect. Now, some of us go, ah, if they deserve it. It's not based on action. What Paul is talking about here is that there is a spiritual headship in the home, and God expects the wife to demonstrate submission to the husband out of reverence to his spiritual authority. It's getting real quiet in here in your minds. I can hear it. And it's based off of office before action. Nowhere in this passage does it say, if the husband demonstrates that he's worthy, then demonstrate this. This is not a conditional command. God asks the woman, the wife. Now listen, this is where the church has got it wrong. The church wants... uh, historically, every woman to be in submission to every man. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is that every wife is to demonstrate submission to every husband. That's what God asked. 
Now, I didn't make this stuff up, so don't get mad at me, all right? Submission is a choice. This is really important. Submission is a choice, but it's not an option. Does that make sense? Submission is a choice that God gives the wife, but it's not an option. Submission doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. So let's talk more about what submission is not. Submission doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion. Submission doesn't mean that you don't get your way. Submission, simply put, means, you ready ladies? Submission simply means you look at your man with respect. Whoa. You look at your man with respect. You want to melt a man's heart, wives? Look at him with respect. It's life-changing. You go, I don't believe you. Ask him right now. Ask him. And if I'm wrong, tell me. Tell me. Every husband wants to look over at his wife and see her look at him. Doesn't even have to say anything, especially after you've been married a while. Every husband wants his wife to look at him with respect, admiration, adoration. Yeah. And so, ladies, take the words out for a second. Take the actions out for a second. How do you look at your man? How do you look at your husband? How are you looking at him? Are you looking at him with respect or disrespect? You go, well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Looking at him with disrespect, like, Let's call a timeout. Do you want your marriage to work? Yes. Okay. Then take my advice. Do your part in the equation. You go, well, what about him? We'll get there. We'll get there. Paul's going to make everybody mad before it's over, all right? And so, ladies, I would encourage you to ask yourself, how do you look at your man? Verse 23. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the body. There is always an authority structure established, not for the sake of oppression, but for the sake of order, and blessing. Do you understand that? God does not create authority structures. The world does. The world creates authority structures for oppression. God creates authority structures for order and for blessing. And see, what's interesting, and I'll pick on myself for a second, if I walk in submission 
to the spiritual authority of my life, then I can expect greater blessing from God Almighty, regardless of whether my spiritual authority is a jerk or not. Amen? God is not going to determine your spiritual blessing based off of how nice your spiritual authority is. He's going to base it off of your willingness, in essence, to sort of put up with it, to be willing to go there. There's massive blessings that flow. Now, the husband's the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the body, the church. He gave his life to be her savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. I know this is difficult. Here's the challenge. A wife is to submit to her husband like the church is to submit to Jesus. But you know what the problem is? You want to tell me, ladies? Say it, Tasha. Say it. I ain't Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've never stopped having a real relationship, all right? My wife and I have a real marriage. And it's not perfect. But there's no relationship in my life I love more than this one. And there's not a close second. There's not a close second. And see, your marriage has to endure all the stress of your life. It has to endure everything. And regardless of your politics, okay, set your politics aside for a second. They ask Barack Obama after he was no longer president, how's your life? He says, I'll tell you, man, my marriage is a lot better. See, because your marriage is ultimately the primary relationship that has to absorb all the stress of your life. The stress of the kids, the stress of the bills, the stress of extended family, the stress of sicknesses, all of that. And it takes a magnificent marriage to be able to endure all of that. And it's a far more powerful thing than I think you give your relationship credit for. Now, do you struggle with submission? Well, yes. I mean, who wouldn't? But do you know why? See, this is important. So the female key to submission is this. Share how you've been hurt. Share how you've been hurt. Do you know that your husband is going to remind you of some of your father wounds and you're going to take out those father wounds on him? Did you know that your husband is going to remind you of the wounds of your first marriage and you're going to take those out on him? Did you know that you're going to get hurt in life and friendships? And somewhere in your life, you're going to go, well, I just see all my friends now like the ones I used to have. This is human nature. It's unfair. The best gift you could ever give your spouse is let them screw up. 
instead of making somebody else's screw-ups their fault. So tell them. Well, here's why I don't trust you. Here's why I don't want to submit to you because my first husband did this, because my father did that, because society does this. Okay, great. This is wonderful. Now we're getting somewhere. You know, I don't want to submit to you because when we were dating, uh, you didn't lead this. Okay, all right. Now we're getting somewhere. See, ladies, instead of saying, when you deserve it, I will. No, tell them why you're struggling. Tell them why. Be honest with them. You go, well, honesty's never worked. Listen, you ready? If honesty doesn't work, nothing's going to work. Okay? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So you've got to be honest. You've got to go there. You go, well, I don't want to be hurt again. Well, then don't have any relationships. I always tell pastors, when you no longer want to love the people you lead, quit. When the church you lead can no longer hurt you, quit. You have to decide to be a real human being who says, I'm willing to be hurt again. I'll be wiser, but I have to be willing to be hurt. And you know what's interesting? When you share your hurt, you go, wow, he actually is a human being. He actually does have feelings. He actually does care. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting is, you know, we live in a society where we've, you know, it's like, well, just marry whoever you want to. And, and there's so much pressure now for children. You know, when you ask an eight and nine-year-old, and this is what they're doing in public school system, by the way, ask an eight or nine-year-old, are you heterosexual? Are you homosexual? Are you bisexual? Everybody's bisexual. Why? Because that's the acceptable thing. Because if you say you're bisexual, then you're accepting everybody. Well, then that didn't solve it. So now we got to change our gender. And, and now we've got to modify our gender and all of this. And because changing who we marry didn't solve it. And so maybe if I change my gender, then that'll solve it. And this is not going to solve it. It just complicates it. So husbands, now we're going to pick on you. You ready? All right, let's go. Husbands must love your wives with the, somebody say it, with the what? With the what? Come on, say it louder. With the what? Same love Christ showed the church. You got to be willing to die for. But you know what, men? That's not really the struggle. The struggle is not us being willing to die for our wives because any of us that are worth an ounce of who we are would do that at the drop of a hat. The hard thing, men, is to do the other side of Christ's love. And you know what that is? Live for them. Live for them. One of the things that are important, men, when you engage in conflict with your wife is are you fighting with her or for her? Because once you start fighting for her, you will fight differently. 
It will change the way you fight. You go, well, we don't fight. That may not be a sign of health. Verse 25b, he gave up his life for her. Whether in death, whether in life. And the enemy's going, do you really think she's worth all that? I mean, the enemy's in the ear of the wife saying, do you really think he's worth submitting to? Oh, look at that. And the enemy's over in the man's ear going, do you really think she's worth sacrificing your life for? You go, how do you know this? Because the enemy's the enemy. He tells everybody the same stuff. You say, how come? Because it works. You say, how do you know when you can know it's the enemy? But does it lead to killing, stealing, and destroying the relationships that matter to you? That's the devil. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. He washed by baptism in God's word. Now, men, listen to me. Maybe the reason why your wife has no desire to show submission to you is because you demonstrate very little love toward her. And her motivation is dissipating with time. You say, so it's my fault. No, 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 no. She's responsible between her and Christ. But why do you have to make it so hard on her? You know? Why can't you demonstrate an affection, a compliment? Why can't you show value where she desires to be shown value? Why not? And part of the problem is, is that we don't forgive each other. And men, you have to lead in what it looks like to forgive. So how do you keep choosing us? Number three, husbands, you got to love your wife. you got to love your wife. I've never met a woman, and I want you to think about this statement. And one thing about my vocation is I get to hear a lot about people's marriages. I've never met a woman who felt secure and loved by her husband who didn't want to show respect to him. I've not met one. I want to read that to you again. I've never met a woman who felt secure and loved by her husband who didn't want to show respect to him. No, I didn't say doesn't struggle with it. Okay, we all struggle. But at the end of the day, the value is there. Look at verse 27. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. Now, men, I'm going to tell you something that maybe you've never heard before in your life. Your love for your wife will make her more beautiful. Let that sink in. Your love for your wife will make her 
more beautiful. The very thing you want. I mean, I've never talked to a man and go, no, I'm looking for an ugly woman. How about you? And if you are, so be it. All right. No, attraction is an important thing in marriage. It's important to be attracted to your spouse. It's important to think they are attractive. That's a good thing. And it's okay to talk about those things. And those things don't have to measure up to the rest of the world. Like, there's so much junk out there and on here, okay? Attraction is a radiance that comes from the inside of a person's soul to the outside of their existence. And I would highly encourage you, men, love your wives. Your love will make them more beautiful. They will radiate with the true joy and love of Christ. So why can't husbands do this? I'm going to talk to you ladies. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the struggle of a man. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body, but loves caringly for it, just as Christ cares for his body, which is the church, and we are his body. So why do men struggle? Husbands, here's the key. Share your hurt and your feelings of, you ready? Inadequacy. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't feel like I can lead you. I don't feel like, and I, and I told Tasha this. I was like, you know, on our first date, she's the first person I ever went out with that she intimidated me. And see, men, in your marriage, like it or not, most women are more articulate than the man. Most women are better with their words than the man in the marriage. Not always true. These are stereotypes. And ladies, when you get going, the man's like, <laughs> she's just proven to me, man. I'm an imposter. I'm an idiot. I'm inadequate. Like, I can't do this. And it begins to feed that. Men, you have to learn how to love who God made you to be. And if you will learn to love who God made you to be, you won't have any trouble loving your wife. And here's the thing, men, you ready? Your problem is not her. Your problem's you. You don't love her because you don't love you. Right? Because when I love me, I have no problem loving my wife. I don't. But when I feel bad about me, then I feel bad about her. And this is the... You know, 
how do you know all this? I don't. God knows it all. And and I've lived it and I've seen it. In Ephesians 5, the truth comes out like men need to be respected. Women need to be loved. This is what the Bible teaches. And see, men, until you learn to love who God made you to be, you won't be able to love her. And ladies, until you learn to respect him, you won't be able to respect you. And see, what's beautiful about these gifts is that when we give them in marriage, they get given back to us. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Now, men, there's a tendency to make two mistakes. There's a tendency, well, I'm the man of the home and to lord authority. But now we don't live really in that society anymore. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? We don't live in a Lord authority over anyone anymore. We now live in this. We abdicate our authority to everybody else. We've become a mealy mouth society. It's sad. It's sad. Neither extreme is healthy. And I love what Howard Hendricks said. He said, you know, balance is that short period of time from going from one extreme to the other. If you share inadequacies, you ready, men? If you share your inadequacies, you know what your wife's going to do? You go, yeah, she's going to pounce on me. (laughs) Well, if she does, that's her problem. Okay? But I have a sneaky suspicion that if you share your inadequacies, her compassion for you, will grow as well. You go, I don't know. Well, why don't you try it this afternoon? You go, well, it may not go very well. that's okay. It's okay if it doesn't go very well the first time. Give it a shot. If you share an accuracy, she responds with respect and encouragement. It changes everything when we choose each other. So then you can live this out. Look at verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife. The two are united into one. Questions, which one? This is a great mystery. But it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say this. Each man, each husband, must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Yeah, I say to couples all the time, I don't know if we're going to make it or not. Okay, let me ask a question. Say to the wife, do you want to make it? Yeah. Say to the husband, do you want to make it? Yeah. Guess what? You will. You say, how come? Because the two of you get to decide. You go, I don't know how. I didn't ask you if you know how. Just ask you if you want to make it. And if you choose us, you'll make it. Both of you. If both of you choose us, 
Remember when we thought we might not make it, Tasha? Huh? We made it. We've not arrived, but we did make it. And so will you. It's not about how great somebody's marriage is. Do you understand? This is about your marriage. Don't compare your marriage to somebody else's. You go, how come? Because you ain't married to them. It's not real. You say, how come? Because the other guy farts too. All right? Stop. Stop romanticizing something you can't feel. It's not real. And start romanticizing what you can feel. That's what's real. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.